Hey guys, welcome back to According To. I'm Megan. And I'm Sierra. This week, Megan and I are going to be talking about being more of an optimist, or can you turn yourself into an optimist if you're someone who's normally very pessimistic? So the idea originally for this kind of came about when uh, maybe like a month ago, I came across an article. I don't know where I saw it, if it was on Facebook or wherever else. I tried to find it again, but then I think it's a New York Times article that like seemed most similar to it. And then like, I don't know how I saw it before, but now it's behind a paywall. So I like was going to read, you know, the questions it had shown and kind of like different answers and what different answers to different situations might mean, whether you're an optimist or a pessimist. And I can't find it. So um, once we actually dive into the episode, I do have like two other options that we could try. We have like a BuzzFeed quiz that I could have you answer, or there's just like another personality test type of quiz. And we could see, because both of us consider ourselves to be optimists. Um, so we'll see if that's true. Based off of when I was reading the article, in my mind, I was going through like, oh, I'd so easily think, said, you know, answer. I'm like, I honestly like couldn't imagine answering the other way. And that was more of like the optimist way of thinking. Um, so it kind of, you know, formed this whole idea. And whether or not, you know, you have the power to change how you view the world and whether you're an optimist or pessimist, what kinds of things you can do to change that if you want to. And just to like talk about things. Wherever this episode takes us, it's where we'll let it go. Yeah. So we have a mix of when we were researching researching for this episode. We found a few articles, but we also don't want to bore you guys to death with just a bunch of like scientific literature. It was just more I wanted something to give us a basis of like what studies on optimism have looked like. So we're not just like making things up right on our own. But we also didn't spend like five hours like researching stuff for this yeah. um, episode. Let's catch up first a little bit though. So Megan started her first big girl job, which is so weird. Cause <laughs> she's like, weekend. um, so yeah, I just finished my first week and it's been good. I'll talk about some of the highlights. There haven't really been any lowlights. I've really had like a pretty positive experience. Although I will say like, I'm kind of taking over the role as like the sole PT at kind of two different locations. And so I just kind of like am recognizing that, you know, a good bit of responsibility is going to have to be like my doing and so I need to like be ready for that um there's like multiple PTAs and whatnot too and they have lots of experience so I'm definitely going to use them but like I have certain responsibilities that I have to do that is like my job and not their job so um I am working in a skilled uh setting so that's usually a skilled nursing facility um oftentimes too that includes like long-term long-term care patients um and so I knew that after finishing my last clinical, I was leaning more towards inpatient. I think I already let you guys know that. Um, So that continued to be the case. And acute care, there wasn't really positions open that I like thought fit well with what I was looking for. And so I ended up applying for this job and got it. And I've been liking it so far. The hours are pretty flexible, which is really good in my opinion. I get paid hourly, so I'm hired full time. Um, But technically like 30 to 40, 40 hours a week is like, will keep me at full-time status and like depending on the census I'm not always there for like the full day which has been kind of nice like I will see how things keep going um but I've been getting off between like three and four usually which I enjoy um and then a lot of the patients that I'm working with too have dementia or like cognitive issues which kind of worried me at first as a new grad but I will say like it really hasn't been that different like I've had you know enough experience working with patients who had dementia in acute care that like it kind of carries over and I've gotten used to it already I feel like 
definitely have to handle things a little bit differently. And sometimes it's hard to convince the patients to want to work with you. Um, and you only have like so much control over your schedule in terms of like, sometimes the patients don't want to work with you and then you're like, okay, I'll come try again later. (laughs) Um, and then like, I've had to figure out a whole new, um, system that they use for documentation. And that's been interesting. I think I like it for the most part. Um, but it's definitely a little bit different and the coworkers that I have. So there's like different, um, specialties. They've got OT, speech, PT, and there's a good mix of ages. Um, a lot of them are younger, so that's kind of nice. Creates like a good team environment for me, who's also younger. <laughs> um, and they've all just been like really welcoming, and I feel like everyone's personalities like mesh very well together. Um, so it's been good. I have like another location that I've only been to once. That technically I'm bouncing between two different places, but I still got pretty good vibes at that place too. And so overall, pretty She's feeling good. good. Um, so for my job stuff, I have little to update on this past week. I have just been doing nothing. I did get word that I start some form of training next Thursday. So by the time this episode is out, it'll be like this day that this episode comes out. And then I have to do a little bit more training the following week. And I'm kind of like waiting to see how the PRN position that like I have full you are plays out. And then I'm definitely like open, obviously, to getting out of the job I just kind of want to see how this one works like you want to get the training done first yeah definitely before you like actually have like any other job to do because otherwise you don't have the time to do the training. or just also like I have to do training and stuff to learn about that specific place's protocols and stuff and like learn about their software and all their procedures and stuff but then I think from what my from what I remember from my interview they were saying like you can spend pretty much like however much time you want um, like either shadowing or like you kind of like take over someone's day for a little bit like you can do that and then like decide okay now I'm ready to like be put on PRN and like start my own yeah. shifts and stuff so I don't know how much of that I like anticipate needing to do so yeah that's my update um in other news it is you know middle of March and it is snowing outside and I'm so ready for it to be done snowing it's weird because right now in Iowa, at least like in Des Moines, which is where we're at, it'll snow for just like one day and it'll snow quite a bit. And then it's like five inches, I think right now. And then it just like all melts the next day and then it repeats like a week later. Hopefully end of March, we're done. I'm I not a big fan of snow. So, so. um, anything else? Anything if you guys news? want a big book update, go check out our new Ooh. video on our Megan and Sierra channel. We did our whole January-February reading wrap-up, and we've got 30-plus books on there for you guys. I forgot that one up today. So, sometimes I do forget that we have a video that goes up until I go yeah. on YouTube, and I see we have notifications, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then next week, we are doing a Week in Our Life vlog, so um, we haven't vlogged in a while. I feel like even though it probably hasn't been that long, but that should be fun. Yeah. You can see Megan working, and then I'm going to try and... Stay busier. I might start working on our guest room a little bit more and like paint and stuff because this past week I've just like I didn't do anything. But I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I would come home and see her. You know, she's always sitting on the couch and I'm just like, have you been? I was talking um, to my dad because he'll call her once in a while and he's like, you've been working out? And I'm like, I mean, not more than like normal. Like, I don't know what he thinks about like our working out schedule, but like I think he, I think he just thinks we just like forget about it sometimes or something when like quite literally we've had like a continuous plan of working out just about like a couple three four times a week and for years yeah 
And so since I'm off this week, I don't work out like more because I'm off. I mean, I gen like I work out once a day when I do work out. So having a whole day off doesn't do anything for me. I'm not going to stay at the gym for two hours. Um, so he was like, you've been getting your workouts in? And I'm like, not any more or less than normal, just about the same. I did utilize uh, the hot tub at our gym, though, because normally I'll go and just work out and leave because either if I was going before clinical, I'd have to go to work, or if I did it after, then I would just not really utilize that. And so I was like, I'm not doing anything. So I packed a swimsuit, and I stayed in the hot tub for a little bit, and I listened to... I think an episode of Buried Bones. That's a good podcast. If you guys are looking for another <laughs> podcast to listen to, Buried Bones on Exactly Right is pretty good. What's it? What do they do? So um, it's on Exactly Right, so it's a true crime thing. It has Paul Holes. He's like investigative detective. I don't know what his title was, but he would like he helped solve cold cases. I think he helped solve the whatever. Golden State Killer, maybe? He solved, like, a famous one. Okay. Helped solve it. And then uh, the other girl's name is escaping me, but she's, like, a historical true crime writer. And so she finds old... Sometimes they're cold cases and sometimes they are solved. But she'll, like, find that stuff, find the evidence uh, that was found at the time of the crime and, like, kind of walk Paul through it and have him, like, comment on, like, how he would have done things differently or, like, what he expects to the investigators to have found when they found like x y and z evidence or like what he's thinking at the time like with the evidence that he's given and then like at the end if there's like a trial or something they run through he'll be like yeah do i think there's enough evidence to convict this guy or girl or not so yeah hmm. might have to scope it out if we do i found start, it when i was in cedar rapids if we start painting our guest room we always like to put a podcast on when we're painting so okay so i think let's start with the buzzfeed quiz and you just give me your answers, and we'll run through and see what, what you get. Okay. And you guys can, you know, play along, even though I won't have your physical score in front of me. Okay, so this is BuzzFeed's quiz. Are you an optimist, a realist, or a pessimist? Now, if you had to say between those three, what do you think you are? I still think I lean more optimist than even, like, a realist. But, I don't know, maybe I'll be in the middle. Okay. It's funny, too. So Sierra's had, you know, more time this week. So she let me know that she had already started planning some stuff out for this episode before I started adding stuff. And so I was kind of, like, looking through the top, and then my mind started going somewhere, which, like, given the realm of, like, what we're talking about, it's not, like, crazy that, like, locus of control came up. But, like, before I scrolled down and saw you already had, like, stuff written down about that, I, like, kind of started adding my own stuff related to, like, locus of control, and then I scrolled down, and I was like, oh, Sierra's already got some stuff. It was there. study I found. Um... Okay, so if someone asks you, hey, everything okay? How are you? There's three options here. How, do, how might you answer? Pretty great, actually. Things could be better, but that's normal. Compared to 2020, I'm doing all right. I mean, this is hard because I wouldn't say, like, compared to 2020, I'm doing all right. I'd probably just say I'm doing good, doing well. I don't really ever say I'm doing great. Let's be real. If I'm answering this question nine times out of ten, I just think it's like a pleasantry I just say I'm doing well. Okay, well, one, two, or three. One. Pretty great, actually. I guess. You know that's the optimistic answer. I know, but like... Okay, here's a random I one. I usually always answer that like, I'm doing good, doing well. Pick an emoji. We have the caterpillar emoji, the whale emoji, the crying laughing emoji, um, the alien emoji, the poop emoji, and the ghost emoji. The poop emoji is not as fun funny as everyone thinks it is. I like the whale emoji. 
Okay. All right, pick a painting. So we have The Birth of Veins, or Venus, Venus. sorry. <laughs> um, Guernica, and Arrangement in Gray and Black. Um, I can't really tell what's going on in Guernica. So I like am leaning towards The Birth of Venus just because I'm familiar with it. And so. Okay. This glass, it's just a picture of a glass, you know, with water in it. Um, is it half full? Is it half empty? Or would you say it has some water in it? Half full. Which I know is obviously like going to be like the optimist answer. But like realistically, who says like if you see a glass of water, like who says it's half empty? You know what I mean? Okay. Which of these would be the least embarrassing? Dropping your phone on your face in bed. Realizing too late there's no toilet paper in the bathroom. Loudly screwing up the lyrics to a song in front of other people. That is embarrassing. <laughs> saying love you at the end of a business call. Getting caught smelling your own armpits. Or throwing something out and there's no bag in the trash can. Which one's the least embarrassing? Yes. What were the first two? I feel like those were like what I was leaning towards. Dropping your phone on your face in bed. Realizing too late there's no toilet paper in the bathroom. And then the last one was throwing trash away. Throwing trash out and there's no bag in the trash can. I go with that one. That's not really embarrassing. That's it's more annoying. Maybe someone else's house would be kind of embarrassing. Because you're like, like, oh. If it was like messy. <laughs> you're like, like away, you'd be like, uh. Okay. Um, your boss has called you into their office. You're thinking, today's the day I finally get fired. Am I finally getting that raise? I hope they don't heap more work on me. I hope they don't heap more work on me. <laughs> Okay, choose the exclamation you use the most. Ugh, nice, or OMG. I do say OMG a lot. Usually in a text. Yeah. Ugh, nice, or OMG. I feel like I say all those things. Um, And there's no context for this. Just whatever you use the most. OMG. Okay. Do you make New Year's resolutions? I do. Always? What's the point or I make small achievable resolutions? I guess small achievable. I try to make it realistic. Sometimes I'm like, sometimes our, my resolutions are just like, how can I even know if I did that or not? Which, I don't know. Okay, finally. How do you think you'll be remembered? The things I do will matter to a few people. Nothing I do will matter to anyone in the long run. My, ap- my actions will have a huge impact on the world. I mean, I'm going with three only because I feel like we've had a lot of reach and it's like small, like, you know, gymnastics, like if I'm talking about gymnastics stuff or like YouTube sp- stuff specifically, it's like I'm, you know, what doing percentage stuff. What percentage but it has of gymnasts in reach. the world do you think know who we are? I mean, what classifies someone as a gymnast? If we're getting technical. Anyone who's signed up for a gymnastics class. I don't know. I mean, probably less than, I like, I don't know. 15 percent i don't know i honestly like i literally no idea especially like now it's like since we're not presently doing it there's people who have like not to say they wouldn't have ever seen our videos they're still all up but like the algorithm's not in favor of older videos Mm -hmm. and then going back to the question whatever it was i would hope like even just being a physical therapist i hope that like i have a nice positive so my actions have a huge impact on the world yeah okay well, unsurprisingly, because <laughs> um, some of the answers I thought, you know, I think we all could see where this was going, but it says you're an optimist. 
Um, you're someone who sees the good in everything and everyone. Is there any better way to be? It's best to live your life focusing on the positive rather than letting yourself get stressed out and run down. Okay. Should I, should we do the other one or should we just kind of move on? We can move on. Okay. So I think it's important to just highlight what exactly makes someone an optimist and what makes someone a pessimist. And then there's like that realist thing that every once in a while I kind of saw when I was looking at stuff that gets kind of thrown around too. So uh, optimist is someone who obviously expects a positive future and a pessimist expects the opposite. And then a realist, you could argue, falls kind of right in the middle. And it's more of a continuum than anything. Um, and people can be optimists or pessimists for different areas of their life. So someone might be really optimistic when it comes to their career or their finances, but then pessimistic when it comes to like their relationships or something. So just because you find yourself to be one in any of these categories, like that doesn't mean you're always that one thing. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it's good to focus on like, yep, the, the premise of this episode is can you turn yourself into becoming more of an optimist? And in order to have actionable steps to make changes, if you don't find yourself to be more of an optimist, then we have to know what exactly affects like our optimism. So the article that I found is called The Neural Basis of Optimism and Pessimism. Um, the author is David Hecht, if you want to find it yourselves. And in this article, it touches on, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but we can kind of jump back. I just want to see if I can find how it breaks it down. There's three main things that it touches on in terms of, like, what affects your optimism or pessimism. So, where is it? Okay. First one is selective attention and information processing. And then belief or lack thereof that one has the power to influence relevant situations, relationships, or events, which is locus of control. And then the last one is general schema one has for interpreting personal events or their attribution style. So we'll kind of dive into those a little bit deeper later, but those are the things that if you feel like you need to make some changes in how you think about the world or how you see things and like you can focus on those areas specifically to try and make those changes. Okay. Um, so something else that I was looking at was this different article, um, it was from purewow.com. Um, and it started mentioning something that was called negativity bias. So, um, I'm going to read a little paragraph from the article because I thought it was interesting. It just kind of also talks a little bit more specifically about, um, how our brains work and how people who are, you know, more optimistic are more likely to continue being optimistic. And same way, if you're maybe more of a negative person, you kind of continue seeing things a little bit more negatively. And then this is talking about how a lot of times when something negative happens to you, people focus on that. Um, So it says, first, let's address the elephant in the room, negative thoughts. They are normal. In fact, humans gravitate towards negativity. According to neuropsychologist Dr. Rick Hansen, PhD, our brains react more strongly to negative feelings and better retain lessons learned from bad experiences versus good ones. In other words, painful stuff imprints itself more easily on our brains. This negativity bias kept humans alive during the hunter-gatherer days, which is great. For the 21st century, we could all probably use a little little less negative thinking in our lives. So I think this sets up like a pretty good basis of the fact that, you know, if you tend to focus a little bit more on the negative things going on, that's not a bad thing. It's also not necessarily your fault that you're focusing on negative things. And if you've had some pretty traumatic or just bad things happen in your life, that's going to impact how you think about things. Mm-hmm. 
I even think as someone who like considers myself an optimist and like that quiz apparently says that I am an optimist, I can think of many times in my life where like, you know, something sticks out more because it was negative or like embarrassing things specifically to me stick out with that style of thinking because I'm like, if something embarrassing happens, I'm like, I never want this to happen again. And so you try and think about like, how can I make sure that like, I don't get this embarrassed again. And kind of like on the same note, um, you know, bad things happen to everyone bad things have happened to me too but like you know in the grand scheme of my life there hasn't been like a whole lot of horrible things that I've had to experience and in a way like that definitely shapes like who I am Mm -hmm. how I think it shapes your outlook on the world because that's what you've experienced of the world thus far and so like for us like you're saying if we've experienced you know positive things for the most part coming in we're like well the world's a good place Mm -hmm. and we expect that going into the future if you have the opposite experience in your childhood like bad things keep happening then you're like, I feel like I'm not doing anything, especially like since you're a child. Right. Like as a child, you only have so much control. A lot of it is, you know, your parents have more control over your surroundings and your environment and even maybe like your situation or experiences than you do. And so then it really starts to feel like you don't have control of stuff because you really don't as a kid. Yeah, at that point. And so then as you get older, it might be hard to break out of those habits and realize that you're gaining more control as you're getting older, but you still have that mindset from when you're younger of like, I can't change this. It just Bad things have always happened to me and like, bad things will keep happening to your me. Your brain is very plastic when you're younger. Like that's when your brain is forming all your new synapses and experiences. So if you get stuck in that way of thinking and that keeps happening, you're constantly reinforcing those brain circuits to keep firing and to keep, you know, rerouting into those paths and continuing to see things maybe a little bit more negatively. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to obviously try and see if you can shift that way of thinking. So this quote from the article that I mentioned earlier that I think highlights the importance of finding optimism. So, high self-esteem, a cheerful attitude that tends to look at the positive aspects of a given situation as well as an optimistic belief in a bright future are associated with physiological activity in the left hemisphere. In contrast, a gloomy viewpoint and inclination to focus on the negative part and exaggerate its significance. Low self-esteem as well as a pessimistic view on what the future holds are linked with a neurophysiological process in the right hemisphere so we need to be more left hemisphere focused. This was kind of interesting when I read it you know I was reading what Sierra had written down and it kind of matches the stereotype that we have of a lot of like creative people like who are super artistic and maybe like more right brain dominant. Sometimes I feel like you kind of picture an artist as like you know the being tortured that, artist. Yeah like that's the stereotype that it has sometimes that's allowed them like that's what allows them to be creative and like put like find their experiences pain. into art so like I don't really have like much more to say about it than that I do but think, I did and the of, flip side though like left brain focused people tend to be really analytical and like find problems and find solutions and so yeah. I think that plays out in this scenario too with optimism pessimism optimists you have know, to find their what way they can control and what they can change or mm-hmm. adapt to make things turn out how they want yeah so uh, the article also mentions that it's important to find an equilibrium between optimism and pessimism that's um you want optimal equilibrium that is a cautious optimism that is firmly grounded in reality because if we get too optimistic the article is mentioning that you can start just engaging in risky behavior which in itself is not good and so there is a point where optimism becomes not a good thing and you want to kind of walk the fine line of being optimistic but to a fault you want to make sure that everything's grounded in reality and like still realistic but not to a fault so yeah um so kind of going off of that kind of like different pros or cons of 
being a pessimist versus an optimist. Um, I pulled up like a couple different bullet points of like an article I found where it just mentioned like what are some cons to being too optimistic and a couple of them had to do with what Sierra was just saying where it talks about engaging in risky behavior, doing excessive risk-taking stuff or not learning from your mistakes because, because you continue to kind of be blinded by like, oh, like good things always happen to me. That was just like a fluke that, mm-hmm. you know, didn't end up how I wanted it to. Like this next time, however, it will work. I was reading that and I kind of thought it almost was going in the opposite direction of like the original article that like brought us to doing this episode anyways, because then I feel like it's taking, like we're saying, you know, the locus of control, people who are optimists, they have an internal locus of control where they're in control and they know that their actions impact what they do. And this almost was saying that I have a response to that. You can finish your thought though. Um, so I just thought it was interesting because I feel like not learning from your mistakes is what it's saying is a con to being too optimistic. However, you know, the very first article that brought us to doing this, I remember one of the questions was like, how would you respond to getting like a good grade on an exam? One of the options was like, oh, that's so awesome. Like I put a lot of work into studying for this test. Like I expected that. And then another one was I got lucky. And so the, I got lucky response was the pessimistic viewpoint Versus the other one was the optimistic viewpoint. And so that one kind of was interesting to me. From when I was researching stuff, I felt like it was saying when positive things happen, that's when you need to have that internal locus of control. But when negative things happen, it almost helps to shift to having an external locus of control in the sense that it didn't work out this time. Like the situation wasn't right. Maybe you can like take some self blame and say, oh, I didn't study enough. It was like for the exam. Like, attributing it to, in some sense, like, some external control when it's something bad that happens. Makes it so you're not And so you can say, how can I change this with things that I can change in the future so you get a better outcome next time? Like, there's still a little bit of internal locus of control, but also identifying external factors that may have contributed to things being negative that time for that situation and not, like, every time. Okay. I could could see that. So, um, another... I'd like there's two other things. So another thing that I mentioned was a con is being too or considered inauthentic, which I think is, you know, it's a good segue to maybe talk about, you know, when you come across people in the world that you're just like, you're almost like too, too positive and like it's off putting in a way. And so That's because it doesn't seem real. This um this is going to be funny and like we'll see how far like or how much we even have to talk about this. But this past weekend, um, we had Haley's baby shower. I feel like Haley and, and mom listening are going to be like, what are they going to say? No, it's like, this is like not even like specific to anyone at the baby shower. Cause like this happens with like, this happens all the time. And, and Megan and I are just like more, op- more, I don't know. Megan and I talk about this. It's like baby showers, bridal showers for anyone. So like, you know, at a baby shower, Haley's up front. She's, you know, pulling out, like we have, you know, gifts and stuff up there for her. Um, people are like, she's pulling out, you know, a book or a onesie or, you know, towels, lots of different you know, baby gifts. And maybe it's just because like, I'm not really like baby crazy right now or really ever. But, <laughs> um, you know, everyone's reaction is like, I'm literally sitting there just like straight face, writing down the to gifts. write like the notes down. <laughs> and then like, she'll pull something out and then everyone in the audience is like, erupts. Oh, ooh, like, oh, so cute. It's literally Adorable. like colored towels. And I was like, okay, come on, be for real. <laughs> Like, so Sierra just, like, we finished stuff, and then Sierra, like, came up to me at the end being, like, what? 
like why is everyone's reaction just like it seems like fake almost maybe people like i don't think people are even being fake i think it's just like the, when, maybe like it's like the societal reaction of like oh this is how you act at a baby shower i guess but then i take that and i'm like, like i'm not going to have in my mind, reaction in my mind if everyone was being like for real with their emotions he would be sitting up there unboxing stuff and everyone would be like silent because like no offense but like except for Haley, who cares like it's for her baby you know what i mean like good for Haley. good for people who have baby showers and like they're getting what they want and they're asking for but like it's like a baby bathtub that it's not cute like it's just a baby bathtub and people are like oh my god like that's so like sweet like the baby's not here yet there's nothing to be so. like ooing and awing about I don't know. Maybe it's just like this is when sierra and i like we certainly don't seem like optimists right now <laughs> right um but it's like there's something there's some things where megan i'll say and it's not like we invented this phrase but we'll say like to my core i am a hater yeah and what was it at starbucks where like i am having a flashback right now of like when we were going to carol and like we were with dad at starbucks and you know what it is (laughs) (laughs) no not for that i'm an optimist in my own life when it's other things i don't care maybe i'll hate and Haley, i'm not hating on your baby shower like i just it's the showers in general megan and i don't even want showers yeah like i don't like the it seems like fake giddiness and happiness to me that surrounds the showers but like i'm probably just sounding miserable right now um yeah actually Haley's bridal shower was fun we had some Baby good shower. games no i'm talking about her bridal oh. shower that's because we were in charge of it we were in charge of it we planned a lot of good games and i thought it was a good bridal shower Here's the thing. This is like me touching on showers and stuff. I do not want a bridal shower. I see the purpose of having a baby shower. If you obviously don't have stuff, like if it's your first baby and you need stuff, it helps with the financial burden. A bridal shower is usually when you get gifts for like you and your future spouse. Like when you move in together, that was like the purpose. I plan to live with whoever I am going to get married to, which means we will have stuff. And quite honestly, I just think showers are boring. You know, like, then you run into, like, the... So, what Haley did for her bridal shower was she um, kind of did, like, the seasonal thing, which is, like, some people ask for, like, oh, they want, like, Christmas decor or St. Patrick's Day decor, like, just different, mm-hmm. you know, holidays. Me, personally, um, I'm not a holiday decorator unless it's Christmas. I agree. And then I also, like, Sierra and I have literally made up an unpopular opinions. Like, one of the things was talking about decor and people buying stuff for your house and it's like that's a lot of pressure to give someone so if you don't just items for it. their house and like what if they do not like it and so, then like you go there for easter and you're like oh we got you like an easter sign last year i don't see it up i'd be like yeah because it didn't fit my aesthetic so it's not up <laughs> this so. is a big tangent but i just had to we have to acknowledge our faults and how we are not optimists all the time but there was i wish i could remember we were leaving starbucks like we were walking out with it was us Haley, i know our dad and for some reason i was just saying like we brought it up to my core i'm a hater like who was in there with us like there are who people was standing walking in around front of us i'm trying to think of like other people walking up and trying to like get their order and i'm like what was going on was it the straw stuff that bothered you so much me i don't feel like that would have been what we so. were talking about i don't know uh, if it comes up i will bring it up but i just cannot remember Anyway, so I think, honestly, though, like, that's when being positive bothers me, is when it comes off as inauthentic, and I don't mean to bash anyone who actually has genuine joy at a and sometimes, shower or like, baby shower. To be honest, there are some people where I, I can tell they're genuinely joyful, but that still doesn't necessarily make them any less annoying, you know? Yeah. Like, you're kind of like, we need so good joy. for you. 
so good for you and I'm glad you're happy but it almost like it's almost exhausting to Mm -hmm. like especially because like me I very much like as an introvert like if I'm in like a setting where I'm like the more I'm in like a setting with a bunch of people they're probably like you know I'm gonna start draining a little bit that's how introverts work and so I kind of get to a point and you know I think this is a fairly relatable thing you know, if you're someone that goes to a party or something, I'm not really, but I've seen the same thing happen. You kind of hit a point where you're just like, hmm. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not really interested in anything anymore. I'm just like sitting and being and that's, that's all I can right do right now. now. And, you know, you're not miserable. You're not necessarily like hating your life. You're just like, you're just taking a pause. And that's how I like end up getting in a lot of like social situations because like I'm not like just over the moon joyful. I'm because I'm not. You know what I think is really stressful though? This is like me cutting into like being an introvert and like getting stressed out in some like social situations where you hit that like low and then someone comes up that you don't even know that well and they're like, are you having fun? Like you don't seem Ugh. like you're having fun. And then I I'm like, that. I'm stressed. I'm like, I'm not not having fun, but I'm also like not like And then I'm like really right thinking now. about how I'm like presenting myself because I'm like, I know I'm not like just exuding joy, but like now I feel like I need to be like fake right now and like have a smile on my face even though there's nothing to smile about and I get stressed okay and then the other one was ignoring warning signs or things that might be like red flags in different situations because you're kind of like saying oh like no that was like a one-time thing or that was a fluke or no no this person's like a really good person that was like the last con that it had mentioned that I thought was worth bringing did you up. find anything for pessimism like obviously we know what the cons of pessimism would be what if we looked up like pros of pessimism though pros can you think of any pros of being pessimistic? I feel like I feel like at least you're always going to fall towards being more realistic. Like sometimes it hurts to get your hopes up, and so then, but I still like I'm I'm more of an optimist. I'm like that's no fun. I'd like to pessimists are often better prepared for tough times and may avoid risks that are more optimistic or that more optimistic thinkers might ignore. Research has shown that pessimists tend to foresee obstacles more readily. I'm pessimistic since towards, they expect things to go wrong. Um, like adventure type stuff like skydiving or mm. going um, on a helicopter i am not gonna ride in a helicopter or like a small plane i can't do it i'm pessimistic towards things that i'm like you know it wouldn't be worth it so yeah. <laughs> um yeah okay so jumping back to the article that i mentioned we are going to talk a little bit about selective attention and information processing this is related to when Megan was talking earlier in like the glass half full, glass half empty scenario. And optimists tend to pay more attention to things that are positive or like reinforcing cues in their, in their environment that are positive. And so if you can like think in your own life, if you were to see that glass and like, oh, like that's a half full glass of water. Or you'd be like, oh, like that glass is half empty. How you pick things out in the environment is a cue into if you might be more optimistic or pessimistic so can you think like in your own life do you have any examples of like how you might think of things that could be an example of how I feel like you're optimistic maybe not like specific towards like the optimism but I definitely can take the selective attention stuff like maybe a better way to like explain it too and like just then you can start thinking of things is like you always kind of like something might seem like it happens all the time to you and you're like oh my gosh like this always happens. I wish I had like an example, but it might just be because you're only remembering all the times that it actually happens and then you're forgetting all the times that it doesn't happen. 
And so like that's you attending to something that's like maybe not actually reality, but you're still like it impacts how you're thinking and then your future things and what you're looking out for in the future. And then depending on what it is, if it's a positive thing that you're looking at and you think it's happening all the time, then you're like, oh my God, like this amazing thing keeps happening like, over This probably over. is how like uh, people with like angel numbers and like, I don't even know what angel numbers are. I think it's just like good vibe numbers. <laughs> I, I know it's like 444. Like what can be like, I think it's like any like repeating number, honestly. And then people pick like their favorite of the numbers and that's theirs. See, like that's what I don't get. Isn't it supposed to be like a time or is it just any number? No, it's just like, I just see people take pictures of like, you know, if anytime they find it out in the wild, they'll like snap a picture. I'm Googling angel numbers. <laughs> you can keep going though. Um, I mean, that's basically what I had to say about the selective attention. I don't know that I have like a specific example of it in my life or yeah. Do you? Hold on. An angel number is a repetitive or predictable sequence or pattern of numbers like 1111, 777, 5656, or 321. The numbers might show up in banal places. I don't even know what that word means. Like price tags, phone numbers, clocks, or license plates. Does that just mean like not like random places or like not important places? It just probably means like out in the world. I'm sure. Um, Banal means... uh, so lacking in originality as to be obvious and boring. Okay. You have to look for it. People who look for angel numbers, though, probably like that's like, tend to be more optimistic. They don't realize how many numbers they see that aren't the angel numbers. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they only see the angel numbers because they're looking for it. And then it just keeps reinforcing that cycle. Yeah. I'm trying like, to how many like, things do you buy where the price tag is not your angel number? Mm-hmm. and then someone sees a price tag that is their angel number it's like 444 dollars i'm like well i have to get it now it's my angel number um in the opposite sense i can feel like i don't know i can't think of an example necessarily where i like look for things and i'm like this great like great thing happens to me all the time but i do feel like when negative things happen i like let it slide off like pretty easily like there are just occasional instances where like i just have like a really clumsy day and I mean, like, it doesn't happen enough for me to be like, oh, my God, like, I'm just, like, a clumsy person. But, like, every once in a while, I'll just have a day. And I'm like, oh, my God. Really? But I'm like, yeah. I don't think of you as being clumsy. So, I'm, like, having well, I don't a either. Time. But, like, it'll be, like, I'm in the kitchen. Like, I specifically have a time in our apartment where I broke I, the Brita. I remember this day. I, I remember, broke, like, like, the Brita filter. Because I, like, <laughs> I remember. I have no idea how this happened. Because I'm generally sick, not. <laughs> no, I, I remember. But. Like, we have this Brita filter. I set it on the counter, and it, like, almost fell off. So, I was like, oh, like, I pushed it on the counter. And then I think I filled it up with water. And then I set it back on the counter. And then, like, it fell off the counter. And then it like, broke. Like, it just wanted to fall. And then I think there's, like, three other things that, like, happened that I can't think of right now. But it's, like, I let that happen. I was like, that was weird. I don't know what's going on. And I was like, but that's not happening again. And then it will hold off for <laughs> a period of time. But I also, our dad, I consider him to be a very optimistic person. But he has, like, he will voice his pessimistic tendencies, though. He's, like, hot and cold with it. Like, sometimes he's so pessimistic, and then sometimes he's, like, so optimistic. It's, like, he speaks all his pessimism, but I know at the end of the day, he he's is, like, like an but optimistic. But I, like, am blessed and, like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, he is an optimistic person, so, like, maybe he's just a realist or whatever. Yeah. But it's kind of funny how, like, back and forth he'll see, some, he'll see him sometimes. Okay, 
Um, so some other selective attention stuff. I have a quote that I wanted to share from the article. When attention to the positive and brighter side of life does not come naturally, it can still be achieved through a conscious and mindful effort, and this process involves the left hemisphere. Cognitive reappraisal is often used in psychotherapy where, where a person is trained to change his or her point of view on negative events by focusing on the positive aspects. See, this was kind of funny because basically we're talking about like basically cognitive behavioral therapy now. And it was kind of funny because, again, like going into this episode, I had basically no thoughts on like where this episode was going to go. And I was like, we'll just see what happens. And then I kind of was like, that really is like, that's the basis of cognitive behavioral therapy. It's changing the way it's having, you know, the therapist guide you through and trying to rework how you think through situations. If the positive stuff is not coming as naturally to you, they're trying to basically like rewire your brain so you can start incorporating those neural networks into how you think through things and then it becomes more natural. Yeah. Which is so interesting. So I saw a TikTok that when I read this, I was reminded of this TikTok and I don't know the username of this person, so I'm sorry to you. Uh, but it was essentially them talking about how they have reframed the way that they think about like specifically their morning routines, what they were going through with this. So like we tend to get in a rut with our morning routines and like feel like things are repetitive and, you know, boring, which I feel like makes you just perceive your life as not fun and exciting. And you might be like pessimistic about your life if it's so repetitive. And so... Uh, they said like examples of things that they started doing to like be more optimistic and look forward to their routine. Um, so one they talked about was washing dishes, which I guess isn't really like a morning routine thing, but no one likes washing the dishes. And so instead of like thinking about washing the dishes, thinking about like, okay, get the water to like the perfect temperature so that your hands are nice and warm and just like focus on that. Like that was their specific example, which, you know, if that's not enough for you, I get it. I don't like doing the dishes either, but it was like a way of thinking about like, it is nice, like, when your hands are warm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, when you're, like, trying to get the water to the perfect temperature, like, doing that is going to make doing dishes more enjoyable. And they mentioned on their commute, trying to find, like, you the same commute every single day, more than likely, and it can get repetitive and boring. So, like, while you're on your commute, do things that make you look forward to it, like, you can listen to music or podcast or, like, pick, try and pick three things, like, out in your commute that are unique and, like, to that morning. To, like, separate out your commutes so they're not all blending together. You're like, oh, like, today I saw a dog, like, walking by. Like, I saw Dalmatian. And, like, then it's different. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Could be fun. Um, Did you have – I'm, like, trying to figure out where we go from here. Because this is kind of your section. Yeah. So I'm, okay. I, I might just let you keep I'll take it over. It. So that was it for the selective attention stuff. But that was a lot about, like, reframing – if you view things as positive or negative, and if you view things as negative, then you need to reframe and find a positive component to it. So the next area was locus of control. You can jump in here too because we talked about this already. But kind of realizing and things that you do have control, like you have more control than you think. And also like on the flip side of that, realizing that some things are genuinely out of your control. And so like it doesn't always mean that it's your fault if like things turn out negatively. And that kind of jumps back to what we were talking about earlier about positive things, like attribute that to yourself and like your hard work, but then negative things, sometimes bad things just happen. And like, it's not your fault. You can, I feel like at the same time when something bad happens, you can recognize where you might have like maybe done things differently, but you can also say like, this was a one-time thing. Or I like, I know this isn't going to happen again because I'm going to, you know, change xyz so it's like a mix of 
recognize what you can change still but like that's why it's so much easier to like use every bad experience as like a learning opportunity because there's always next time there's always going to be another opportunity for you to do things a little bit differently and sometimes like other things are at play that are not in your control so yeah so control you like, can it could control be, let's say you're like running late to a job interview and so and it's maybe like maybe there's like a car accident and you're just like the traffic's horrible that's out of your control but so like keep that in mind it's like that was just kind of like a fluke situation but maybe for your next interview you're kind of like i'm leaving plenty early beforehand to make sure that that does not happen mm-hmm. or even just relating to this subject obviously control you can control but then control how you react to the things that you cannot control there's I don't remember the exact stat for this, but it was like regarding anger. And when you initially feel anger towards something, your body has like an autonomic response for like the first, I want to say two minutes. And then after that, if you continue to feel anger, it's because you've consciously thought to yourself now that you want to continue feeling the anger. And if you make the decision not to, then you should be done feeling intense anger after like two minutes are you trying to like fact check me on this i know what you're talking about so i was trying to see if i could find and i just think that shows time. how much control we have the opportunity to have over our emotions and over our responses to the things that happen to us if they're not in our control because your body is going to recognize you know different emotions and feelings that you're retaining too and if you have the continuous conscious effort to get angry and upset over things then that's going to continue to be the norm Mm -hmm. i can't find the exact number when i was looking stuff up quickly but i have seen that and i think that it just highlights the importance of like maybe give yourself a cool down 90 seconds sounds right give yourself like a little time to cool down before you react if you can help it do some deep breathing close your eyes and then say okay is this really that serious if it is can i respond in a way that it's not just anger and more like productive and if it's not that serious let it go like the anger, it had its moment. Time to move on. Mm-hmm. Have you seen those? Uh, there'll be like a picture of dots, of like all the minutes you have in a day. And it's like, don't let, you know, this many bad minutes. It'll do like blue dots and then like red dots are like your bad minutes for the day. And you'll have like a bunch of good dots. Mostly good dots throughout the day. And like, don't let, you know, a few bad minutes like make your whole day bad. Because how often do we do that where, you know, your day in general, like you have 24 hours a day. And most of your day is good and, like, one bad thing happens at, like, lunchtime and you're like, today sucked. Yeah. Because it goes back to negativity bias. Like, that negative stuff sticks with us more. And you have to make a conscious effort to kind of, like, push that out of your brain. Say, okay, I dealt with that. It's done. Hopefully, like, if it's just a one-time thing. makes it so you have to really work harder to find the positive things and, like, focus on those. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We talked about internal, external locus of control. So, I wanted to, like, run through with... I feel like the biggest things I can could think of were locus of control on relationships, friendships, and then career and finance. And if you have any others, you can add those yourself. But I think those are like the biggest areas of life where we think about like how optimistic or pessimistic we are. Mm-hmm. So relationships, how might you view like your relationships positively or negatively? With anyone or romantic I mean, relationships it can be or, anything it can be family relationships it can be romantic relationships or lack thereof but um it's funny because like i've been seeing a lot of tiktoks recently 
you know, Sierra and I, like, this is, like, a joint discussion that we have going on where it's just, like, it hasn't really been showing, like, men in general in a very favorable light. And, you know, it's been, like, something... Our TikToks that you're talking about? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then also just, like, um, like, Caitlin Clark, for example, like, been seeing a lot of stuff, like, about her. We can go on this tangent. It's... Why not? Um, all this to say that it's just, like, I've been a little bit pessimistic about just, like, this men in general. This is some men. But, like, exactly. Let us highlight that. But I'm that. just, like... Let's just but these men need to be a little bit more quiet. <laughs> um, and so if you don't know who Caitlin Clark Clark is, she is on the Iowa women's basketball team. She is an incredible athlete and player, and should hopefully win national player of the year. Like she, she did. So there's different. Um, the actual one is oh. Naismith. There's different. Okay, sorry. Uh, she things. won a different national player of the year, <laughs> but she's really fun to watch, and she just like is an extremely good basketball player. And I feel like all women are used to and know what I'm going to, what we're going to talk about. It's just like how negatively a lot of men will speak down on any We'll say some men. We'll say a lot. I've seen some men, you know, who have some big respect for Caitlin Clark, okay? And they're standing up for her on social media too. But overwhelmingly, and maybe it's like the negativity bias, negativity bias again, but I'm just like, what is this person doing commenting what they're commenting on it's just, just rude things of, about her appearance or her athletic abilities, like, or just, like, they, talking down on her athletic ability as if they have anything to show for their own athletic ability. Um, you know what I love seeing, though? I love when men <laughs> in those comments are, like, like, standing up for Caitlyn or just, like, in other scenarios. That I love when it's, like, not Clark. even in a, like... You know, she's, like, so awesome for, like, a female player. I love when I see men who, like, are saying stuff about, like... Because I have seen tweets like this, too, where it's, like, she is, like, the most outstanding player I've seen, like, men or women, like, regarding basketball in my lifetime. Just in terms of, like, how much she stands out. And, like, you don't have to agree with that. You You don't don't have have to. to. You don't have to agree with that. I'm not saying that the only right opinion is that Caitlin Clark is, like, the The best best basketball player player ever. I'm just saying that, like, everything that she's accomplished, you kind of have to give her some respect or credit to be in the position she's in and to just completely discount it because she's playing women's basketball and that doesn't have as much respect as men's basketball or xyz it doesn't have the audience that men's basketball has so when did the audience have anything to do with her athletic abilities so yeah but then i also love when men will comment like they'll see these comments on posts like this and they'll say i hope none of these men like have daughters because how awful is that right that's another thing I think of, too, is just, like, men are half the population here. And, you know, I've got a dad. I've got grandpas. I'd like to think they're all, like, nice stand-up guys and whatnot. But it's just, like, when you see so many people commenting the things that they do, you're kind of like, really? I really is do this think how they think that, I mean, I hope that guys that make those comments don't have any daughters because of those poor girls. But I do think when men have daughters and, like, are girl dads. I love a girl dad. <laughs> love a girl Our dad. Our dad's a girl dad. <laughs> they like, are so much better. They just, <laughs> they, they have, like, a better understanding of just, like. Better emotional intelligence, too. Yeah. And, like, better, more respect for women. They want women to succeed because they want their daughters to succeed. Like, and you don't have to just be, like, exclusively a father of girls. But I feel like if you're exclusively a boy dad, you miss out on like on that. the opportunity and I'm to not like, trying to say that like all boy dads are you know not empathetic i'm just saying i think that it like having a daughter 
helps changes your brain chemistry a little bit and so i don't know if that answers or relates to really what you're talking about but i've been meaning to talk about it um let me think you know me practicing locus of control in the relationships in my life when it comes to family relationships we have a great relationship with like our family you and i um with like us and Haley, like as sisters we have a great relationship we have great relationships with our parents on both sides and like i would say our extended family as well you know we don't see everyone that much but like when we do it's fine Mm -hmm. and so um to me exercising a locus of control over your relationships for family would be how often do you see them what do you talk about when you're with your family like how much do you invite them into your life and like share what's going on in your life with your family and like how much do you lean on each other in times that are difficult I feel like it could also be, like, if you have a strained relationship with your family that you're trying to, like, still work on, if you know there's certain things that, like, are triggering or just kind of, like, make it so you start going down, like, a bad path that isn't good for anyone, you have the control to make sure that that's kind of, like, an off-limits topic Mm -hmm. or not dive into that and kind of focus on, like, the key things that... It can be your, like, control that says, I can't see this person anymore. And, like, that is your decision to make you have a more positive experience in life. I was seeing something. I didn't copy this down. But, like, one article I looked at talked about kind of, like, your five people that you're around the most. And, unsurprisingly, like, whatever characteristics and attributes they have, like, bleeds into how you you act, who you are. And so, it is worth it sometimes to kind of, like, cut those people out that if you're surrounding yourself with them and they're not a positive person to be around, then... That's probably not helpful. Something, and we can dive into this together, but I'll pose a question to you specifically. With terms of dating relationships, do you feel like you have an optimistic or pessimistic outlook in terms of your dating life? I always have an optimistic outlook in terms of, like, if I end up with someone, it's because they're a good person. And so, like, if I'm in a long-term relationship, I know I'm, like, not going to settle. And so in that sense, like, if and when that comes around like I expect it to be like a good thing sometimes you know whether it's like where I'm at and like what my options are around here or like you know whatever's going on in the dating apps like sometimes I'm kind of like I just don't know if it's gonna happen (laughs) but again it's like not really something I like dwell on either so I think I agree with you in the sense of like when it comes to approaching I'm optimistic that like there is someone out there for me because yeah. I like to think there's someone for everyone that's what I always say I mean not like I invented that obviously <laughs> but just like it also you know, it's like okay I haven't found I haven't found like the person for me yet and so like I'm just like <laughs> you have to believe in the chase you see how many people in your life are in relationships or have entered relationships and I'm like surely there is someone out there for me um I agree with you in the sense that when it comes to approaching dating I can feel pessimistic because I'm just like I don't see anyone and like by see i mean usually it's like dating apps because how else do you usually like see the available dating pool you know what i mean um but then i also am behaving sometimes in a way that's not conducive to like putting myself out there in a way that's not just dating apps so i have to recognize myself that i could do a little bit more work in some sense if i want to get more out there but then also i think that you and i in some ways uh Like, you're optimistic about, like, who you'll end up with, and I agree with that, because we don't, like, we've never relied on, like, dating someone and being in that constant relationship. Yeah. I just saw a Lauren Gray podcast episode where she's like, I've never been single for more than, like, three months. And I'm like, 
They keep, spo- they keep promoting that. I've seen multiple like sponsored segments of that podcast episode that she was on. And I'm like, why is this so? Yeah. Why is this being pushed I don't know, so much? But it's being pushed a lot. But I saw her talking about how she's like, I'm in my single era. I don't know. How, I don't know for her how long that lasts. But she mentioned she's like, I'm like a serial dater. Like I haven't been single for more than three months. And that's just astonishing to me. And so because I've been so, I mean, I've been single my whole life. I mean, to be honest, because like, it does not take much for Sierra and I to like look at a situation that someone else is in and be like, dump them, break up with them, divorce them, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to help me or hurt me, but like it could be like um, groups that we're in, like Sierra's in like the 20s USA group or whatever. Truly 20s USA. And I'm trying to think of like a specific situation that like i've seen in a recent group there was like a girl like she's like is it bad that like i need to ask my boyfriend to like brush his teeth and like do basic hygiene stuff i was like break up with him that's gross i mean that's like not a reach why is he not doing that i know but so i just like there's lots of different things where i'm just like no or like one guy a very like sticky situation you do when guys follow like other girls on social media that's like such a it could be such a nuanced situation but i can only hope the guy that i end up with it's not but I like always, always here's where is. I always end up when it comes to Cause especially because are we gonna talk about the same TikTok or I you don't just, know I wasn't gonna talk about the TikTok we can talk about it but what I was gonna say is when I enter into a relationship not only do I expect there to be a foundation of love but even below that a foundation of respect I know what you're gonna say like what that's why people are like oh like if, if someone like were to cheat on me like that love is still there like maybe we can work past it I'm like no, they did not respect me when they did that, and I can't forgive that. And it's just, like, it's beyond just cheating. It's, like, following girls on Instagram. If they're following girls on Instagram, they don't respect me enough to not do that. And so, like, they're not cheating or anything, or, like, some people would consider it micro-cheating. It doesn't matter what you call it. They're not respecting me when they're doing that. Yeah. Um, the TikTok that um, we're talking about is one that we, like, just saw, like, maybe yesterday or something. And it I'm was basically this. I'm curious to see this- how you tie this in. <laughs> huh? I'm curious to see how you tie this in. I'm just like talking about like the specifics. It was talking about following women on social media. And am I thinking of a different one? You just share what you're going to say. So I thought you were talking about like the cheese one. No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Never mind. So there was a girl who made a TikTok that was kind of like talking about the situation that is, um, that bothers a lot of girls when their boyfriend is like following models or like other women on Instagram. And, a lot of guys will oftentimes like think like it's not that big of a deal and this woman was talking about a study that was done i don't know the study you could look it up or whatever find the tiktok yourself um but it was saying how when men view a picture of a woman who's like idealized or like kind of like the ideal woman um they will find their partner less attractive after that versus the opposite is not true of women they can see a picture of like their ideal man or like an idealized good picture of a man and like still not think any less of the their partner that they're with and so I, it's interesting because it's like you almost are then making a double standard for like the celebrity crushes that girls have versus guys have and maybe they aren't the exact same mm-hmm. I mean I've thought about this without there being a study where I'm like I know girls will follow like their celebrity crushes and like it's not even if guys follow like a celebrity crush I don't really care that much about that but, like, I don't even follow, like, Chris Evans is arguably my biggest celebrity crush, or, like, Joe Keery, he doesn't have an Instagram, but I could follow Chris Evans if I wanted to. I don't. Yeah. 
Like, not even, it's not anything to do with, like, respect for a future partner. I just think celebrities are usually boring on Instagram, so I don't really follow a ton of celebrities. I follow the Jonas Brothers, but, like, They're I don't really have, like, a celebrity crush. crush on them. So, I don't know. It's more so, like, the when you get into, like, Instagram models or, like, girls that they know that, like, aren't following them back, I'm like, that's a little suspicious. Why are you following them if they do not follow you back? So. It just makes you question things, and it's never good to be in a relationship where you're questioning things. Mm-hmm. That was a little side tangent. It was. <laughs> but um anyway, other stuff for locus of control. Career and finance, obviously, like if you can control areas of your career, whether that's talking about a raise with your boss or like trying to like be more in charge of where you want your trajectory to go within your career. And so for us with like PT, do we like want to stay with like clinical practice the entire time? If not, how are we going to like take on more like of a director role if that's something we want in the future like taking actionable steps to build out like the building blocks of your future career or positions or maybe you're fine where you're at and you're like i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing um the last thing on the article was general schema or attribution style so i'm gonna read this quote attributions of unsuccessful outcomes to internal stable and global factors for example i am incompetent and always fail in everything I do leads to a pessimistic viewpoint since these factors are beyond one's control. Conversely, ascribing the outcome to external, temporary, and local causes, for example, the situation was very difficult and impossible, so that particular attempt was not very successful, enables one to hope for better results in the future. And then for successful results, the reverse is true. So that touches on what I was mentioning to you about Kind of shifting every once in a while, like, external, yeah. internal locus of control. So, with that being said, uh, hopefully this episode was helpful for you guys. Uh, I did want to leave with one last thing for the article touching on how optimism, like, permeates into other areas of your life. So, um, there's important relationships between op- optimism, body image, self-esteem, persistence, risk-taking, and depression. But I think highlights, like, optimism isn't just like, oh, like, I want to be, like, happy and, like, live a good life. It leads out into all these other areas that can greatly affect, like, your life experience and how positive or negative it is. And so even just being able to get a hold on your level of optimism or enact some changes in how you can perceive the world, I think, will be beneficial for those of you who might be more pessimistic. Yeah. So I definitely say at the end of this episode, I definitely think... It, you can definitely become a more optimistic person and it is within one's control to kind of change how they think through things yeah and it takes practice for sure so you gotta rewire your brain and that's not easy but it is possible so hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode if you did make sure you give a thumbs up if you're watching on youtube feel free to subscribe we're getting you can there also uh, subs. subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever podcasts are available Follow us on Instagram at according to. We usually have episode posts, and so if you want to engage in a conversation related to this episode, you can comment on our Instagram or comment on our YouTube video. And yeah, yeah. we will talk to you guys next Thursday. Bye. Bye.